welcome to the Cabramatta Vineyard Church podcast. We are a missional community in southwestern Sydney that desires to be a preview community of God's generous rule and reign. For more information, check out cabramattavineyard.org.au. Um, so just before just before we kick into this, um, I thought that we should take a moment to acknowledge the passing of the Queen. Um, whether you're a monarchist, Republican, uh, doesn't matter where you stand on that. I think just as a as a church and as a people and as Australians, she was our head of state um, for a long, long time. Um, I don't know if any of us remember the previous. <coughs> I wasn't going to go there, Judy. But... <laughs> um, we just know. You wouldn't remember it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> you know, and so regardless of where we stand on that, uh, yeah, authority is authority, and she was in that place. And, and, she, so, was, and she was a God person. She was a God person, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's an end of an era um, in that respect, and uh, beginning of a new one. And so I thought we should just acknowledge that. And not only that, but... You know, her passing, whilst um, I heard she's probably the most recognised face globally, um, which is you know, a pretty big deal, um, but for many Indigenous people, not just in Australia, but you know, around the world, um, she's also the face of something that's really, really hard. Um, colonialism is you know, a devastation for many people. And so I think, for me personally, I'm not really affected by either of those things, but it is something that's very real and very much around us. And so I feel like we should be able to still straddle and empathise with both of those parties. Um, it's not an either or. Um, we can mourn and empathise with Indigenous peoples, and we can also mourn with the loss of a a global leader. So I felt like we should take a moment to pause on that and then we'll move on. In the same way that we would pray for our 
local leaders, um, as we get a new prime minister or any kind of leader, I encourage you to pray for uh, King Charles, as he now is. Um, he's still now the head of our state, so um, we don't know how long that will be, but it is the way it is. So, um, in whatever authority he has, yeah, keep him in your prayers and may he make godly choices. So today we're going to look at Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit. As we get to know the person and presence and power of the Holy Spirit, there will be a natural byproduct, fruit. As we develop our relationship with God through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there will be a marked change in our attitude towards everything, or there should be. The Holy Spirit's power is more than is then to do more than just enable us to do the supernatural, although that is a big part of it. He empowers us for the journey from doing what pleases our flesh to doing what pleases God. And this is not an easy journey, but it's also not a lonely journey. We have the, we have the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit and we've been given a church community around us to help us as, uh, as we develop and grow into the person God wants us to be. So we're going to read Galatians 5.22. But the spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we take a step back to look at when this was written and the context, um, so it's in Galatians, and the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul, um, and he had travelled through the region of Galatia, which today is modern-day Turkey, in that area. And I think on all three of his journeys, he went through that area, and so um, churches had been established. And many of the converts of Christianity in Galatia were Jews, but also some Gentiles. And they'd experienced the freedom that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus. But unfortunately, their freedom was being challenged by another bunch of Jews um, who were teaching that, no, actually you need to fully convert to Judaism in order to then become a Christian. And so circumcision and all the other rituals and um, rites of passage they were kind of trying to push on everyone. So the result of this was a church split along Jewish and Gentile lines, um, and the church became ethnocentric, um, you know, focused on ethnicity and race rather than Christocentric, centered on Christ. So Paul writes this to this divided church to remind them of the freedom in relationship with Christ that comes by grace and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Paul is amazed at how quickly they had forgotten the grace of Jesus. Galatians 1.6 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Yeah. 
In the place of Jesus, they had accepted a false, a false message. And confusion was all around them. And in fact, Paul got so angry about this, because we know that he's a pretty hot-headed guy. Um, he says, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. So it's pretty, pretty full on. It's pretty fired up about this. Um, so all this, all of this turmoil was turmoil was bringing the church into crisis, and Paul knew that the only answer was to return to that message of freedom in Jesus, freedom in the gospel. So Paul spends a chapter or two talking about the gospel and how it is real and it's authentic. Um, it truly brings salvation and freedom from our sin. And it's available to anyone and everyone that call the name of Jesus, Jew or Gentile. Then he spends a couple of chapters talking about the superiority of the gospel, um, superiority over the law, which is what they were used to. Freedom in Christ no longer requires those religious rituals um, and the rules and you know all that, that institution that was binding people up. The following chapters are spent talking about this simple thought that we are free to do what is right. That our freedom in Christ is not a license to sin more, but rather a license to live right. So over and over in the book of Galatians, Paul talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. The Holy Spirit instructs, guides, it leads and it gives power. The Holy Spirit ends our bondage to evil desires and he creates in us love, joy, peace, and many more changes. It ends our bondage, but it doesn't end temptation. Um, we still are free beings. On the other side of the work of the Holy Spirit is the work of the flesh. So in Galatia, Fleshly works were disguised as religious activities. So some were keeping score by checking off their, you know, their rule book um, and you know, strictly adhering to the, the Jewish law. Um, and then others were using the freedom in Jesus to actually not do that and just do whatever the heck they wanted to do. And so either side, not great. Um, and the result of both of those was Criticism, anger, being judgmental, competitiveness, um, not really fruit. Um, and essentially, it all came unraveled because they weren't being motivated by love. They'd missed, they'd missed that truth. So now we come to Galatians 5, and Paul confronts those who have backslid into that life of sin, and they've they forsook Jesus and tried to save themselves, either by the law or by doing it their own way or fulfilling their own desires. So before Paul gets to the passage that we just read, <clears throat> he spends time talking about the fruit of license. And basically all he's saying is that we have the permission or we're allowed to um, actually live in freedom because of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. Um, we're allowed to. We have that authority. We don't need... We're not, we're not lacking anything. In Galatians 
says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I'm struck, seems like every week, um, something happens in our world, in our city, on the media, um, where people are under attack for coming, you know, trying to uphold the law of Jesus or whatever it is their gospel is, but they do it in such a judgmental way that their message is not heard. Um, and I think the reason for that is because it's not done in love. You know, yes, the Bible is clear that we are to stand firm and make a stand and, um, you know, try and adhere to the, the morals and ethics and that sort of thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean standing on our, you know, on our soapbox and preaching doom and gloom. Um, I think there's other strategies and other ways of doing that that start with love. And when love's not that starting point, it's just, you're just hitting up a brick wall against the brick wall. Um, and I feel like a lot of the church misses that. So unfortunately, a lot of the people of Galatia, they were using their freedom to commit sin. They weren't actually using it to grow in their life with Jesus, um, either through adhering to the law or by doing their own thing. Um, they were just missing the point. So Paul calls them out on this. In Galatians 5.16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Notice Paul uses the term walk. It's an active word. And it points to the idea of movement and progress. But it also carries the notion of how we go through our life. Paul also uses the phrase, live in the spirit and be led of the spirit. It's not a stationary thing, but it's also not a sprint. It's also not a one-time occurrence. We are called to be regularly filled with the Holy Spirit, a daily filling. It's not just something that happened once 20 years ago. So as believers who have freedom in Jesus, we walk in the spirit as we are led by the Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that gives us life. There are all these active and progressive terms in that verse. Walking, being led, living in the Spirit, and it requires time, discipline, and obedience. In the life of every believer is the struggle to live according to the Spirit, because the old sinful nature tries to lead us another way. It's a constant but it is a winnable battle. Winnable battle. In the verses leading up to the fruit of the Spirit passage, Paul speaks of the flip side. Galatians 5.19 When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, 
dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. There's other sins like these. So it's not an exhaustive list. But all these things are things that we need to fight against because of our flesh and our sinful nature. We have to put these things to death. Not just ignore them, not just put a, a band-aid on them. We actually need to kill them. Easier said than done. So how do we do that? The Holy Spirit will supernaturally and actively help us. Through his work in our lives, we will produce what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. So we come to the verse that we started with, Galatians 5.22. But, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit... What's my place? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit that resides in all of us. It's not by human effort. That doesn't mean that we are passive in the process but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that produces that fruit. I like this quote. It says, The fruit of the Spirit does not pop out of believers through effort. Christians bear fruit through surrender. We take root in the Lord by meditating on His Word, praying and serving. We reserve nothing for ourselves to control, but fully rely upon Him. That's not passive living, it's an abiding life. Yes. Once again, easier said than done, right? No. No? If all we do is some sort of self-help humanistic exercise to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, we eventually become slaves to our own effort. The fruit of the Spirit will become a law of sorts by which we judge and criticise and get angry at others. Which is not actually the fruit of the Spirit. We are to follow the Holy Spirit, we are to allow the Holy Spirit rather, to produce in us the life of Jesus. Because we have free will, we can resist that work. We can resist the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And everything in this world will do its best to make us do that. So this morning, I want to focus on that idea of surrender. That call for us to surrender to ourselves, surrender ourselves. Um, and our will. To invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, 
continue his work bearing fruit in our lives. And I think we should specifically pray into any areas where the opposite of those fruits of the Spirit is flourishing or evident or, you know, where there isn't love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. So as we enter a time of ministry, I think we should just spend some time with the Lord and yes, see what he might be saying to us, to you. (coughs) Where there's judgment or hatefulness or or, or, despise, he wants to bring love. Where there's stress or depression, he wants to bring joy. Where there's inner turmoil or anxiety or, or chaos, he wants to bring peace. If we're feeling critical or judgmental or greedy, we answer to that as kindness. quick-tempered or harsh there's gentleness for that self-control is a hard one because it's not actually self I think we all have actual self-control and often that's the issue Um, it's actually spirit control which enables self-control rather than our own fleshly control which I think runs right. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and increase your presence in this place. Fill us afresh with all the fruits of your Spirit. And would you identify those areas that are lacking? Those areas where the flesh is just slightly winning out today. I invite you to come and bring freedom. specifically who identifies with any of this who says yeah that's that's me I need to I'm feeling feeling stressed feeling depressed feeling anxiety or judgmental any of those things because there's freedom here today